There's a, there's a saying that I think is, is true that when the Word of God is taught uh, faithfully and truthfully, it comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. I think there's a healthy dose of both in our text today. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Five years ago, uh, my wife Heidi and I went to uh, Paris for our 30th wedding anniversary. And one day we went to the famous cemetery, the Père Lachaise Cemetery. If you've ever been there, you may have gone there, where anyone who is someone in French society is buried. Frederick Chopin, Toulouse-Lautrec, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, oh yes, and Jim Morrison from The Doors. No idea why. Well, we entered the cemetery and uh, in an expansive wooded area where all the graves are quite close uh, together, no expansive plots, where it seemed that each gravestone was uh, basically commissioned art. It was just gorgeous, fantastic sculptures. But we hadn't been there long when I heard something. So I asked Heidi, do you hear, do you hear that man swearing over there? Sure do. Now, it's true, neither of us speaks French, but you, you could tell he wasn't exactly reciting poetry or singing church hymns. His voice was loud and angry, and you just knew it was foul, and there was no plea to, you know, pardon my French. Jeez, I said, this sounds like a nasty argument this guy is in. Obviously, uh, he's in an argument with someone, and I hope they get their quarrel settled sometime soon, because they're really loud. But then as we kept listening, we realized, wait a minute, there's no altercation here. He's the only voice. He's alone. The intensity of the cursing continued unabated. Eventually, we realized there was someone just wandering the cemetery, loudly and angrily cursing. Curious about who this, who this guy was, and not particularly wanting to run into him, we found uh, a guy who worked at the cemetery. Hey, what's... What's up with the guy swearing, I asked. Oh, he is often here in the cemetery. We, we are quite used to him. He is, he is harmless. I said, sounds like the guy in the Bible story, you know, the one named Legion, I said. Well, he didn't seem to recognize my, my reference. All I could say is, please don't tell me he's wandering around naked, okay? Well, we never did encounter the guy, uh, but we sure could hear him. And the whole experience made me wonder, who is that guy, really, underneath the rants and the rage? What were the forces holding him captive? And what would it take to set him free? We meet a similar fellow in the Gospel of Luke. Right after Jesus calmed the wind and the waves on the Sea of Galilee, you know that story, right? You've heard that one. They sailed over to a country called the Gerasenes, which is a Gentile country, not Jewish. And there they immediately, it says, encounter uh, a man without clothing, possessed by demons, who lived in a cemetery. He was, the bus is here, yay! They made it! Through the road construction. Cool. 
Well, you've come at the right time. It's the most dramatic part now. So they, they encounter this um, guy who's possessed by demons. Now, now, it says that he was powerful enough to break free from chains when they attempted to confine him. Um, well, it seems that uh, that man, or perhaps the demons, had already sensed Jesus' oncoming arrival and were waiting for him. Jesus immediately then commanded the demons to leave the man, but they begged Jesus, uh, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, uh, what do you want with us? Please leave us alone. Don't torment us, they said. So Jesus asked, what is your name? Legion, the man or the demons, replied, who had entered the man. Apparently, uh, the one speaking are legion more and not the one possessed. That man, whoever he was, was being held prisoner by legion. He was being occupied. However, these Demons seem to know right away they've met their match in Jesus. They beg Jesus not to send them into the abyss. You know, they'd rather just mess up someone's life than be consigned to run free in the wilderness somewhere. So, Legion negotiates. If you're going to drive us out of this man, send us into that herd of pigs over on the hillside, which Jesus did, somewhat controversially, and thereby created the very first deviled ham ever recorded. Ah, it's really dumb. Thank you for laughing. Uh, however, no one was going to eat this ham because the pigs rushed headlong into the sea and were drowned. Now Legion had no one to inhabit. They were tricked by Jesus. A wily one is he. Well, the people in charge of the pigs um, run into town to tell everyone what happened, and soon the whole town is abuzz. So they run out to see this guy named Jesus to find out what happened, and there they see the local guy. We'll call him Larry who had since become legion, now sitting calmly and at peace at the foot of Jesus. He had been healed and set free from his spiritual oppression. And thank goodness he put his clothes back on also. Larry was back. So now what? Did they throw a party for Larry's uh, return to health, for his return to the community? Well, no. They're not in a celebrating mood because they're afraid. So the people of the Gerasenes, it says all the people of the Gerasenes ask Jesus to leave. Like you can imagine them all speaking with one voice. There was a consensus apparently about this. Now think about this. Kind of odd, I think. If you were those people, <laughs> I don't know if I was there, I think I might be filled with a little bit of hope if, you know, the, the naked guy wandering the graveyard, howling at the moon, yeah, that guy, if he suddenly is restored to his normal and smiling self. And furthermore, had the decency to put on clothes, the people of the Gerasenes had just witnessed a miracle. Why wouldn't they want someone like Jesus around? Instead, you know, they're more like, well, we can handle Larry being deranged and all, but we can't handle Larry being back to normal again. Now that's scary. What do you think this fear is about? Hard to, hard to know. It, it kind of suggests human nature. 
It, it seems like trust is a big factor here, do you think? Can they trust a Jew? Can they trust someone who is powerful enough to send demons packing? One is mindful here of the old saying, better the devil we know than the devil we don't. There also seems to me to be a fear of change here. If Jesus sticks around, they may have wondered, maybe he'll drive out our demons too. <laughs> oh boy. And then what will my life be like? Kind of used to it the way it is now. What will our community be like then? Jesus, you better leave. I'd rather, we'd rather be in control here. For us too, do we really want Jesus messing with our lives? What if we change? God forbid. And so it is that Legion shows up in our lives in so many ways uh, that occupy us and diminish our spirits. That's what Legion does. And yet we are often complicit with our oppressor as our true self gets buried. On one level, Legion can be very personal. This is a metaphor for what goes on personally. Addictions, mental illness, guilt, shame, despair. For many today, Legion is a battle with despair over the many things, most of them good, that compete for our attention, our energy, our obligation. And we feel trapped and tired because we are juggling too many things and we no longer feel in control. What we really need is just less. What we really need is peace. We want our self back. We're not quite sure how to get there. And so we cry out for a savior to set us free from our oppressor, but we're afraid of this change too. So God seeks through Jesus to restore trust within us in order that we may have faith and allow the peace in. But to really unpack what this Legion story meant originally, a brief bit of background might be helpful here. This region of the Gerasenes is the setting of a horrifying historical event. According to Josephus, the historian, about a hundred years before Jesus taught and healed, toward the end of the Jewish revolt against the Romans, the Roman general Vesparian sent soldiers to retake the Gerasenes region. The Romans killed a thousand young men, imprisoned their families, uh, burned the city, and then attacked villages throughout the region. Many of those who were buried in the Gerasene tombs had been slaughtered by the Roman troops. In fact, do you know what they called a Roman army, an occupying army at that time, an army of approximately 6,000 troops? Any guesses? Yep, you got it. A legion. These people knew the oppression of legion every bit as much as Larry, just in a different way. One can see where trust would be an issue for these folks. Who can you trust? Are those with power trustworthy? They already saw a herd of pigs destroyed. 
We are called to be about God's business of creating a more trustworthy world, not only privately but publicly as well. And so it would be impossible for listeners of this story in its original context to not hear it without heavy political overtones. Legion, for them, at the very least, was an occupying power that terrorized their community. For us, too, legion can mean political powers that be, social and economic systems of which we are a part, family systems, any powers that bury our personal identities and diminish our lives. For instance, for those who have grown up in a dysfunctional, abusive family of some, of some kind, this is a form of legion that binds people, buries them, and it can get passed on from generation to generation. Heidi and I were at the uh, Hugh Jackman one-man show last night, and they performed, that, they performed that moving song from The Greatest Showman, Jenny will know this, some of you will, called uh, This Is Me great song, an anthem about personal identity and the social forces that repress and bury some individuals' identities because they don't fit. Maybe they're different, like Jenny was suggesting. It's a song that celebrates freely and proudly claiming one's identity. I think Legion, in any form, locks us up and diminishes our lives. It is our Savior, Jesus, who unbinds us to be me. As God made me and you. And if Jesus helps you to be you, tell others what Jesus has done for you, as Jenny urged us. Well, what are examples of this? We're celebrating Pride Weekend, and the expression coming out of the closet is there for a reason. Our culture has historically so discouraged these folks uh, that we've encouraged these folks to keep their identities locked up in a closet. That's legion. It's legion. Or what about our hard workers in, in the workforce who are on the lower rung of the economy, some of them unskilled, whatever, who are able and willing to work hard but unable to secure a livable wage? Are they being occupied by economic forces that use them to make a profit, but then discard their own legitimate earthly needs? If so, that's legion. How about, this is a very current one, asylum seekers who are being currently imprisoned at the border in camps and as we've heard, with children being separated indefinitely from their parents. Bear in mind, these are mostly innocent people fleeing oppression who have merely encountered more oppression and been imprisoned without representation or recourse. And by the way, this ought not be partisan. Regardless of one's view of immigration policy, whether these people should get in or not, that's not the question. No person Christian should tolerate grotesque human rights human rights violations like this, in my opinion. It's ironic that the ones referred to sometimes as invaders really had no power to begin with and now themselves have been invaded and occupied by us. This is legion, and we should not be silent about such things. History has not been kind 
to our internment of, for instance, Japanese Americans in World War II, and it will not be kind to what is happening now to these human beings. And it has a whole lot to do with the work of, of Jesus Christ in the present who is loose in the world. God's promise through Jesus is that all these various forms of occupations, we might disagree on what they are and what they look like, societal and personal, these oppressions that diminish the human spirit will be broken by God's Holy Spirit, are being broken by God's Holy Spirit. And we participate in this. We can trust a God whose love for us led him to become embodied, suffer and die for the purpose of setting us free from the powers that occupy us that we might be who we were intended to be. For we who gather today as a part of God's work and movement in the world, we bear this message to others and we are called to work for the freedom of all who are held captive in whatever way. What does that mean to you, O oh person who follows Jesus? And so, we are called into faith and trust in a God who breaks chains so that people might live, including our own. Let us be sensitive and open to all the ways that we might resist change, even restoration and healing, because we're afraid to trust, because we're afraid to let go of what we know, or we're looking the other way. Amen.